Lando Lakes, Father's Day, 1988. Dark skies carrying a typical summer storm rolls in over Wisconsin's majestic North Woods. Aside from heavy rains and strong gusts of wind, there is nothing particularly severe or out of the ordinary about the storm. But that would soon change. Fire breaks out at the ruins of one of the state's most historic and reportedly haunted mansions, Summer Wind. After the flames were out, the mansion and virtually all that was still standing was gone. A victim, the town said, of lightning. But soon rumors swirled that it was not lightning that brought the mansion down at all, but rather the town residents themselves. Welcome to Badger Bazaar. A murder investigation would lead police to the farmhouse of Ed Gein. Mass murder at Frank Lloyd Wright's Spring Green Estate, Taliesin. Now authorities believe the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, And thank you for tuning in, everybody, to this episode nine of Badger Bazaar. I am your co-host, Scott Whitman, along with your co-host, Mickey Sanders. We change it up every time. Sometimes (laughs) we're hosts, sometimes we're co-hosts. This is really changing it up. We have a third co-host today. There's a third of us. Mr. Jim Cooper from the Midwestern Paranormal Investigative Network. How you doing, Jim? Doing well. Good to have you on board. Yep, glad to we, be here, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming. So we're going to talk about Peshtigo today. Well, we're going to be talking about more than Peshtigo, but we're going to be, you know, the reason that we wanted to have you on, Jim, is is to talk about the paranormal angle of Peshtigo, and the last two episodes have been about Peshtigo. The first one actually dropped earlier this uh, earlier this morning. So Jim and I and uh, my wife, Vicki, did a, a, a small-scale investigation, paranormal investigation in Peshtigo several years ago. When Jim and I have been investigating for how long, Jim? Since uh, 2010-ish or 2010, so? 2010, 2011. Yeah. And we'll talk about why when we get into Peshtigo, um, some of the techniques we used and some of the things that we did and some of the issues that we had too during the investigation that I think now if we do it, we could do it in a different way and maybe get some more um, evidence. Although I think you would agree with me that there was clearly a paranormal angle too. Oh, absolutely. We were there that night. Yeah. How could there not be with all the death that was there? Like we said earlier, you know, if if there if if the stories of what a lot of people believe ghosts are, the kind of trapped souls or their their energy left here from a traumatic situation, right? 
if there's a haunted town in America, it's going to be Peshtigo, Wisconsin. Energy, spirits, souls. I mean, as Jim was saying to me off mic, the whole universe is about energy, so it would make sense that that stuff would exist even hundreds of years later, or you know, as long as it's been. Well, and it doesn't have to be tragic energy. It can be happy energy, right, too, Yeah, from right. Things. It doesn't have to be negative, yeah, but it it's there. There's re- The word you've used before is re- residual. Sure. So and that's everywhere. That can be in, in your house. That can be everywhere. And There's it, that kind of energy. And I think Jim and I would agree that with with the number of uh, investigations we've done together, I, I think him and I are both of the opinion that they are everywhere. Whether there's tragic energy there or not, whether the place is purported to be haunted or not, we've done plenty of places that's right. had no uh, no reports of being haunted at all at all. Where they're haunted as hell. That's where I learned that from from you guys. Just you guys having told, both of you having told me your experiences, there's energy everywhere. Well, I mean, we've investigated my own house, and there's things going on there, and we see things quite often, you know, whether it be shadows or whatever, and we hear things, you know, footsteps, that kind of stuff all the time, and that's pretty regular, I would say, if not daily occurrence, at least weekly. So speak to, to that a little more. How did you, uh, you, if you've told me off, Mike, that you've lived in a place for a while now that where your whole family actually hears these things or experiences these things. How did you get into this in the first place? Was there something that happened to you as a child or anything like that? No, not really. Just common interest. And we met, Scott and, and Vicky and I met up. We were investigating with a group of people and they had kind of had an open investigation and whoever wanted to come and investigate could come along and the the gentleman you just thought it was interesting then right you nothing that even happened to you you just thought um something i'd like you know i had little things happen but nothing concrete and obviously i didn't have the tools back then to really but you speculated that it could have been something like that right and it piqued your interest obviously yep that's amazing, yeah. And and you got up with a bunch of people who were just as involved, and that's how you met Scott and Vicky. Right. You know, it's just an interest we had. We didn't know anything about paranormal investigating. So you guys didn't necessarily... We see, well, you've, you've, you've talked we, about your experiences, but... Well, yeah, I've, I, I think by that time I had the, the one that, I, that I'd mentioned earlier on in, in episode two. Right. Um, in the summer one episode at, at home. But, you know, for the most part, it was just something that we, we kind of... Smells and sounds. It was, yeah, at the old house, right? right? yeah. But even, you know, it was just something that her and I kind of had a, a common interest in. Not not a serious interest at the time. It was just something That's that... That's not even what brought you together. We it just kinda, was a nice no, thing. No, no, yeah. It was just something that we we thought was fun, you know, and, and we never thought about doing an investigation at all. We'd watch the kind of the corny shows on TV at the time, and then we saw this group that was around Appleton or Oshkosh or wherever it was at the time, so we checked it out, and... uh like on a Saturday morning or something, we we hung on. That's where we met, we met Jim, and uh, but that's a bonding experience, no doubt. And the three of I us. I mean, that people don't understand if they haven't done it, and I, and I haven't. But I, I think I understand this stuff a little more than other people. I, the fact that it brought it didn't bring you and your wife together, but that you guys no, no, share an experience like this together, you're gonna have some bond that you don't necessarily have with other people. Oh, yeah, no, Vic, Vicky and I were were together year, for a while, years right. prior, and I knew that. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. 
But I mean, even for the point for, is, it brings you closer together when you go through these experiences. From what I can t- see with you guys, even. I think so. I think the you know one of the scariest things that ever happened to Vicky and I happened at at Mansfield Reformatory in Ohio. Well, and traumatic the, experiences you know, bring us closer together. We'll, we'll talk about this as we, and when we talk later about generally. I think about what what we've done together. But even a bonding experience with Jim, that's what you know. We met together in this group of strangers, you know, coming together talking about just you know, people that had a like interest. And the three of us just kind of cordoned off on our own and we did our own thing. And and here we are 10 years later, however long it's been, and we have a library of stuff that we've done and um, extensive um, samples of evidence, I think, and, and just... And friendships. You know, of obviously. course, yeah. Right. I, you know, I'll know Jim for the rest of my life, no doubt about it. Right. And connections with other people too that we've made and a lot of people that approach us you know, seeing our website and want us to come investigate what they have going on at, at a house or a location. Well, and I think like that that's kind of the point I'm making. Like, you know, having something in common like a TV show you like, but, but this is a little, as popular as this concept is, it's a little more, it's a little different just because you kind of have a half a different outlook or a different state of mind. So I think this brings people together a little closer than some of these other things that people might have in common. So that, that that's the point I'm making. I mean, it just seems like there's a bond there. I think there is. And I, you know, I think the, I think TV shows, you know, back what they were 10 years ago, they're different. There's less of them now, you know, they had a big niche at the time and they were super popular at the time. And I think that is what kind of initially got people kind of um, excited about the paranormal or wanting to know more about the paranormal. But once you start doing the actual investigations, you learn how not real that stuff is on TV and that weeds everybody out, you know, and then you pretty much have just the people who are really interested in learning about how this works. And then the other thing is you find out how much time it takes up. No doubt. Because if you have an hour's worth of recordings to listen to that's probably two to three hours you're actually listening to that sorting through it writing down what you're hearing and then going over it and then we compare it with each other's you know and then we try and have at least two recorders in every location so that we can compare what's on one recorder to what's on another one so sometimes just the angles in a room are different and so one will catch one thing and then the other one will catch something else, and you're you're kind of like, well, wow, how can that be so different? But as you're describing this, I'm thinking of fishing. I think it was a fair analogy. You you can sit there for hours Super and hours boring, and hours. Yeah. Well, it can. Well, relaxing, boring, depending on on what you're picking up or what you're not. But like you said, this angle over here is getting a, a some fish. This one, it it takes patience, no doubt. But the reward is there. Right, it's just that as Scott said, you have to be committed to it, and you have to right. be willing to put the time in because Patience once and commitment, we we knew a few people that did this that weren't committed to that, and they would they would come back. Well, we didn't get nothing, or we didn't find anything on that investigation. It's like those they are, didn't try. Right? Those are the thrill seekers. Right? Yeah, they come to these things. They come. And that's to these what things. I'm saying about fishing. You have to be committed to it, right? Or you're not going to catch anything. What you do catch, you're going to throw away. No, you're it, you're right. That's it's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah I've never I mean, thought of it that way. You yet, guys, but. I mean, you have to be committed to this because it's going to be time consuming. It's going to be frustrating. But when you get something, it's going to be what you've been looking for, and it's going to excite right. you. Because when you do find that that jewel 
that piece of talk about of, that the rest of your life that if you want to call it evidence i don't even know what the word to use right of that's it, but the point you, that's how new this kind of is when still you, when you find something that you know is happening by you or something is talking to you and you don't know what the, i don't know what this is i don't but know but it makes your blood you know, rush when course, you get that of course it's it's that's what you're searching for right and you don't you, oh my god you're so excited you don't even know who yeah, you are no you don't know what it is right you still and we probably never know will know what it is there's a but chance there's right? something there that is trying to in some fashion communicate with you and you can't see it it's like fishing it's like treasure hunting that's that's the gem we've been looking for we don't know where it is we don't understand it but it's there and we know it it's real that's the heart of it all, right? Right. So we'll get into uh, what, what we did in Peshtigo a little later, uh, along with a lot of other, and, and we'll play some evidence, too, of, of um, general investigating that Jim and I have done so people can get a little understanding of, of what it is that we're looking for and some of the real good pieces of evidence that we have found, um, you know, that kind of make us continue doing this. If it was just 10 years of nothing, right, we would have stopped by now. And Well, and the other thing that we've found is that Every place we've ever investigated, we've always got some kind of evidence. Which have, makes you we, want to go back. We have somewhere. never not caught something. Right. Now, it may not be a lot. It may be only a couple things. But then you have those other ones where you catch 15 great EVPs and you catch maybe a picture or two or video of something. And those are, the like you say, the kind that really get your heart pumping and you're going... Hey man, this is this is cool. This is why we do this, right? And but to your point, everywhere you go, you get something. You get a feeling of some sort or another. Yeah, we we've had a couple that have been kind of duds. Yeah, more or less duds. But you still, like you said, there's energy everywhere. That's to the point you're making, right? Right. We try not to go in with a perception that we're going to get certain things at certain places you don't want to overhype we we're open to get whatever we get right if you like anything else like movies like music or anything if you overhype it you're gonna have anticipation and excitement and if it disappoints you you have your attitude changes towards something you know so that makes sense so because this is um a bit of of a paranormal this is a paranormal themed um, episode that we're doing, and we haven't done many so far, right? We've just had done the summer one so right. far, yep. which is um, uh, gets a popular, lot though. of feedback. And right. you know, when I'm out and about, that's people are fascinated by people the kind of glob onto that because right. it's such an unknown. You know, it's such a mystery of is this stuff real? And like, I does think this stuff really happen. And I think as we talked about in, in like a few episodes, we're starting to realize that a lot of this is in our mind, whether we are willing to understand this or not, we're just evolving as a species to the point where we can understand that these things might exist and we just didn't understand them before. Now we can accept that they might understand so we can talk about it more openly and not be called freaks as a result. Well, there's so many so many more people today that do believe in exactly. s- some aspect of it. We're the evolving, yeah. yeah. Right. And, you know, and there, you're always going to have that faction that doesn't, and that's the, who are we to say they're wrong? The naysayers you know? are always going to be there, but... That's what keeps us balanced. Sure. And the thing is, I think, you know, a subject like this, life after death, right, if that's what we're talking about, right. it's 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 not really a scientific subject. It's a subject based on faith. There's no way to prove so it. So you're not going to change anybody's mind. No. You know, I think that's something that we've learned or that I've learned a lot since we've been doing this. 
is I think in the beginning I would try to convince people that look at look at this look at the great stuff we got. That's how I was and, when I was younger too. Right? I couldn't care less anymore. Right. You know, I think it, that has something me. to do with age too. Like I don't have to prove it to everybody else because I've proved it to myself. So I get it, and if and I like it. Yeah. So I'm gonna find people that are like minded. If they don't like it, then I don't need to talk to them about it. And I I always thought that one of the best compliments that we could get as a team is when people accused us or thought we were faking the evidence that we got. You know, because they're because obviously we know we didn't. So if that's your only explanation of what we got, we got some pretty damn good stuff. You know. So again, because this is a, a paranormal themed. Um, episode today and the only one we've had is about summer wind mickey and i did w- meet with as we had mentioned in previous podcasts craig Naring, um who is the obviously the foremost expert of summer wind nobody knows more about summer wind than craig Naring. and now when when mickey and i meet somebody we're, we're pretty casual right mick we like to do well, it we're pretty comfortable in our skin <laughs> in a so casual setting comes off, yeah. um you know we don't like to do the zoom thing if we don't have to we like to meet people in person. We're only state focused, right? Badger Bazaar. Right. You know, we don't have a long way to go. So if but there's a better way to get a feel of a person. Of course, no right, doubt. Right if there if there's if it's possible to do an interview with somebody in person, we're gonna do that. And we're gonna go out to an establishment if that's what it takes and and uh, have a couple of pops and uh, and talk about uh, what we do. So uh, we met Craig a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was great. It was a great meeting. I thought Craig was wonderful really nice guy, you know yeah. we did it in a local establishment in uh the fond du lac area so the sound isn't the best quality but it's fine you know i, I kind of like the ambiance of it anyway so right. we're going to play some of this now there's there's a couple of reasons why we wanted to bring craig on you know and obviously nobody knows more about summer wind than craig so we wanted to pick his brain on a couple of these things and mainly i think the issue that we wanted to talk to him about was because he was doing kind of fundraisers you know these private uh, on-site investigations that he would do with people with the purpose of raising money to restore the property and rebuild Summerwind, which I thought was an amazing idea. Yeah. I if want- nothing else is being respectful of, of history. I mean, right, whether you believe in the paranormal or not, just respecting the history of Wisconsin. Right, and, you know, when we'll play this and you'll hear him say that he's actually got the original blueprints of the property all the way down to the yeah, skeleton key that's i mean right. he's, I, I, he's got I access to these yeah, and it's just imagine if that could be if that could be done and he'll he'll talk about some projects that um are in the works or you know were in the works and are on hold right now but are still maybe a possibility so let's play this a little bit we'll play a little bit of craig here um you can hear him talk about himself and his background a little bit and some of the things he's doing with summer wind and uh, and we, we you know we we talked to Craig a lot about a lot of the legends of Summerwind, and you know a lot of that we talked about in our episode of Summerwind, which is episode two. So if you haven't listened to episode two by now, please go back and listen to that episode or any other episode you might want to listen to. Just just binge them all. Do just it. Binge them all. Do it. But before this one, please listen to episode two, and you'll learn about Summerwind and, and a lot of the stuff that you know Craig and Mickey and I talked about that night was about the stuff that's already in episode two. So, you know, at the expense of redundancy, we're not going to play a lot of that stuff because there's, you know, there's not a lot of new there. We still don't know who Lucy is, right? There's still all the, the, the loopy stuff with Lillian Kiefer going on. You and know. to our credit, we actually do a very a fairly diligent job of research. Well, and, and quite frankly, a lot, of, a lot of the source was Craig Nairing. 
right. you know, to tell you the truth. To begin so, with, yeah, sure. From yeah. the beginning that you've known about for a while, right? Yeah. So let's let's play Craig a little bit. Um let's let's let you listen to him and then we'll we'll kick it back to us and we'll talk about um some of these things and discuss it a little bit. Uh, my name is Craig Nearing, founder of Fox Valley Ghost Hunters. Um, I've been involved in the paranormal for roughly 12 years now. I mean, I've always enjoyed it from beyond in the past. Basically, I got involved in the paranormal just by going up to Summerwind when I was, when I was young. That it, was the first it, place you visited? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, parties up there with uh, friends of mine in high school. For sure. So That's how we all started. I, I wasn't drinking because I don't, I don't drink a lot. Okay. So, but, you know, they were all intoxicated, running around. <laughs> right. It was a big party spot for right. them back then. Right. And... Uh, we used to see stuff that you couldn't explain, like lights would flicker. There were no, was no power going to the building. Right. So lights would flicker and stuff. You'd see shadows. You'd hear voices. People would take pictures of the place, and it'd come back weird or, or like just weird things on the pictures. So the stuff that people typically talk about, you saw all of it? We saw all Even of it, Even yeah. back then? Oh, back then, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So moved to the Fox Valley in 2005, started driving semi, but... Even in 2005, there wasn't a lot of ghost hunting shows on TV. No. There really wasn't. No. So, um, I used to dabble around in cemeteries and stuff. Well, 2000, roughly around 2010 and stuff. That's when you know, in 2009, all the ghost hunting shows on TV, tons of them. Oh, it came out like like wildfire. Right. So, yeah, right. Um, I thought, hey, it'd be kind of cool to start my own team. So, basically, starting out, really wasn't much of a team. It was like me, my girlfriend at the time her relatives, her friends' relatives, and we would do mainly mainly cemeteries. So I thought, well, hey, you know, I'd like to get the word out there a little bit more, start a, a team, actual team. So we became Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, still involved family-wise, family stuff. Right. So go to a lot of cemeteries, got some business cards out there. and on um, Just your own personal finances just, funding yeah. it then. Yeah. Oh, good so. for you, man. That takes a lot of courage. Oh, yeah, time. just to do that. And right. Our very first place was actually a hospital in... Uh, New London, Wisconsin. It's actually owned privately now, but we did an investigation there. It was the very first time that I actually heard a voice because I asked, is there anybody here in the dark that can talk to me? And a voice comes back and says, no. And you had the technology and all that stuff to record yep, this? Yep. Okay. Yeah, we had all the equipment then. Right. And it scared the hell out of me. I, said, I told yeah. my friends, I said, I need to leave for a minute because it's the first time I ever heard a voice where nobody's oh, talking. So that was a disembodied voice. Disembodied right? voice, it wasn't yeah. An yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. The first time, right? Came from down the basement as I'm yelling into the darkness. So you so, were still somewhat cynical about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Point. I didn't know if I was going to get something. So, right. And here right. I hear this voice yell back at me. No. <laughs> it overwhelmed. Yeah. 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 Like any of us. So we had a. Uh, actually, that night we had a uh, journalist from the Post Crescent in Appleton. He came with us on the investigation. He was doing video, audio, and stuff. And he captured a little girl's voice saying, Mommy, on audio. And uh, what's funny is we captured the same voice on audio as well, really? saying, Mommy, but two floors down. So this voice, as a, it would have been an EVP, right. was captured two floors down as well as two floors up on a totally different recording device. No kidding. So, yep. So the voice is moving around. The, yeah, the voice is moving around. Or that whole voice, just, I don't know how, you, you try to figure out how an EVP works. Can you just capture it in the room? Or can you capture or is it everywhere on all other the time? levels? Right. Up, upper levels of the floor. Right. So they did a story on us, ended up in the newspaper on Black Friday, and we like hit the ground running 
because suddenly we're getting all all these followers. You got that kind of promotion right, right off the bat. Right off the oh, bat, awesome, yeah, man. yeah. So then for that, we just from there moved up. Most of my group that I was with, like my girlfriend, my family members, all kind of went different directions. I stopped dating her, <laughs> stuff like that. That'll that'll so, have an yeah, effect on yeah. it. Yeah, ghost hunting has an effect on girlfriends <laughs> <Really>? too. <laughs> I believe that. So, anyways. Uh, Actually, we, Scott's married to his wife. They like to do I, that together. I did too. marry my partner. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that happens a lot. Yeah. Now it's just saying it happened to me. You just had the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> so uh, after that, um, I was looking for actual team members, you know, different people because I had all family. People with background, Back, maybe. Backgrounds, people that right. had a little bit of backgrounds in the ghost hunting. Experience. So yeah. where do I put an ad? I put an ad on my page, Craigslist. That's where ah. you, I, that's right. <laughs> it's yours. It's mine. Why yeah, why not? So that's where I found most of my uh, team at the time. And team have come and gone through the years, go to college, go off to jobs, move away, stuff like that. Really? Um, so you've been the nucleus the whole time. Yeah. Just definitely. you. Yeah, just founder and stuff. Yeah. Really? I've awesome. had a lead investigator with me for about three years now. Um, a couple people on my team have been with me about six or seven years. So. Wow. That's kind of nice to have that camaraderie, yeah. I'm assuming, too, right? Yeah, that definitely. Because yeah. you guys know, know what each other, you know what to expect, yep. and what your each other is going to yep. do when you're doing that stuff. It's hard to get uh, decent people into ghost hunting and stuff and not have any issues or problems. Right. A lot of drama involved and everything. I'm so. sure, and then people yep. are cynical and skeptical, yep. and you don't really know each other and trust each other. Right? Yep, yep. And th- this is not just a local issue for you. I mean, you, you, you like you just said, mm-hmm. you've been on TV shows with yeah. names that everybody knows, right? Yep. Jason Hawes, you know, and so, and so forth. So what, what are what not are even shows as big as ours, but maybe even bigger. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah, I was on with Jason Hawes a couple times. Uh, right. Beyond Reality, also on have heard of that. Coast to Coast with. Uh, um, it wasn't Art Bell at the time. It what was his fill in? Um, uh, Dave Schrader. No, George, not George. George Norrie. Norrie. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah, I was oh, on. He's there. the host of it now. Yep. Yeah, George Norrie. I was on there with him. No kidding. That's uh, awesome. A while back, and everybody, a lot of people heard it. Right. And then I was also on Late Night in the Midlands. That was, I think, that was with that's Jimmy Dave. Church. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah. That's impressive. Huh? Well, again, thank you for spending time yeah. with us. <laughs> I do a lot of podcasts, so they're, all, they're always fun. You do, you do. I've, I've yeah. heard you just on on uh, dealing with Summer Wind. I've heard you on a number of podcasts. You are. Um, the go-to guy for Summerwind, you yep. know, which I think yeah, is, expert, is right? it's 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 the king of haunted houses in Wisconsin, and yep. and you're the you're pretty much the go-to contact for that. How did how did your uh, background start with Summerwind? I know you're pretty tight with the owners, or you know them very well. How how did that come to? It was kind of weird because I was always interested in Summerwind, um, sure. you know, from a since you were a from kid. young age, so you were there, right? in the eighties, yep, before right. it burned down. But uh, I did a lot of searching for the owners. It's not easy. A lot of people even ask me, how do I get a hold of the owners? I said, well, I can't give them information out. They're kind of private people. Right. They won't be bothered. They probably get bothered enough. Right. But I did a lot of searching. I went through a bunch of different channels from post offices to you name it, just to find their name. And I found the phone number for them, gave uh, the owner a call. Her first name is Babs. And uh, so you just called right out of the blue, just gave her a call. Just gave her a call. Yeah. Said, hey, I, I love your property up there. And she talked to me for about two hours on the phone. Yeah. Just about the all first the phone call. Just in the first phone call, just about oh. all the stories she had. No kidding. So we developed like a friendship through the years. In fact, I even. Right off the bat. Yep. Yep. Wow. And even throughout the years, I even made her a, a Frank's box, a hack shack ghost box, and gave it to her for her and her family to use that's, up there. That's really nice. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we uh, kind of developed this friendship, and she's like, 
we will allow your team, one of the actually only teams allowed to be on the Summerlin property. You were under trust, yeah. and she granted yeah. you that. She even wrote a note out saying you are allowed on the property anytime you want. So A document. Document. An yep. actual professional. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. That way, if the police ever showed up and say, here, you can call them, this. we got permission. Right. Yep. I, got a, I got a yep. doctor slip. Yeah. Since technically everybody goes there, it's almost like they think it's public property, right. but it's really not. It's private right. property. Oh, I'm yep. sure. Yep. Wow, yep. lucky lose want to just yep. show up and see what they can yep. do. And it's, it's the problem is that through the years, everybody that goes up there, they, they can't find the place. So where do they go? They go to neighbors. They go to this neighbor. They go to that neighbor. They bother so everyone. For the last 30 years or more, people are getting knocks on their door. How do I find summer wind? Right. And after now, they're sick of it. So Right. Yep. Yeah, they're not even involved, and they got to no. deal with it. Yep. Yeah, right. Makes sense. So you were involved in an in, uh, effort to kind of rebuild it. Right, and to turn it into a bed and breakfast. Is that still something that is happening? Is that something that you still have plans for? What is the status of that right now? Right now, it's kind of in limbo. We've sure. uh, worked with a lot of different people to try to, you know, get conjure. I like the word, use that word, conjure right. the funds <laughs> to uh, <laughs> rebuild rebuild smart. Summer Wind. Yeah. I mean, just the loan, the, the property was offered to me for a, a price sure, and right. that price isn't cheap right. so now you're talking about getting the property for this really high price but still not having a house and, and we, not even usable land as not you even, described not right? really usable no i mean right. other than offering ghost tours ghost hunts but from right. such a distance would make it hard for us but you're not going to enjoy the property for any other reason no right. my whole goal was to rebuild the mansion to make it look like the original the mansion original. i have the original blueprints really? they actually went online for Fifty thousand dollars. A friend of mine from Pennsylvania got him from three thousand dollars. They got him for three thousand dollars from Raymond von von Bober's son. No kidding. Yep. And I got a copy of him. So all the way down to the skeleton key that will open the front door. Really? Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, how'd they get it for so cheap when it was offered for fifty grand? I don't think they were ever going to sell them for fifty grand. So they I just think came they just down came to whatever they. Oh. Yep. So. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's the blueprints that even listed Robert Lamont on the blueprints, 1916 or 1924. So those documents yep. alone yep. have to have some value. Yeah. And the, the, the builders, I believe it's like Talmage and Watson. Right. They're famous for their buildings. So, right. Yep. Out of Chicago. I've heard yep. Of yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So having the original blueprints, being able to rebuild it would be, be an amazing feat. Now, yeah. like I said, I've had people that were trying to work with me to rebuild it. Everybody from Jeff Belanger. He was even on board on trying to find a producer. He wanted to do like a three-season episodes, oh. the rebuilding, the rebuilding plus uh, the continued hauntings of it, and right. then the continued investigations after it's rebuilt. After it's built. So, like a TV show? Like a TV it? show, yeah. yeah, like three wow. seasons. So that I think is a pretty good illustration of the allure of summer wind. You know, all these all these people that wanted a piece of it. You know, it had already been in Life magazine as one of the most haunted houses in America. The 1980, I think, there was a show about it on the uh, the Discovery Channel. And then Jeff Belanger had had been in discussions with Craig about doing a TV show rebuilding the mansion. Which I mean, how great would that have been, Jeff Belanger? Um, I think he's called the Legend Tripper. If you, I mean, he's Jeff Belander's all over the place. He's on all kinds of paranormal TV shows. If you're into the TV shows, 
um, you know who Jeff Belanger is. Let me tell you something about Jeff Belanger because he's actually got a new book out. I do talk about books a lot, if you haven't noticed. Um, Jeff Belanger actually has a new book out that I think was written in, it just came out last year. Uh, it's called The Call of Kilimanjaro, and it's not a paranormal book at all. And it's about him. Um, his brother-in-law passed away of cancer. And it was he, uh, uh, several months later, a friend of his called out of the blue and said they were going to do a uh, a fundraiser for leukemia, which his brother-in-law had. And all they had to do was climb to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. And he did that. And he's not a hiker at all. Uh, he's an amateur. So uh, it's a really good book, spiritual, about kind of reevaluating your life and where you are at in your life. So if you want a good read, check that book out by Jeff Belanger. But for Jeff Belanger to, to, to communicate and to, to, uh, to be in conversations with Craig Nehring about rebuilding Summerwind and doing a three-season TV show about it, you know, the, this is the allure of Summerwind, and this is something that I think can happen if people would show interest in it. And, you know, those investigations that he was doing on site have been, like he said, they're in limbo now. So, and one of the problems we have with this, and which we'll get to in the second half of what he talks about, are with people who are coming on the property trespassing illegally, um, which Craig will talk about, which led to the demise of Summerwind itself. And now we have lost these properties, which is the problem that we have uh, with various properties of this magnitude in America. So um, stop doing that, people. <laughs> Stay off the lands. And, you know, one of the issues we have and what I'm going to play with Craig now is uh, when Mickey and I talked about in the first podcast about how summer wind came down and the mystery about the fire then how it started. Because the story is that it started with lightning, although there was a storm uh, that apparently had no lightning. Craig did not night. agree with that theory at right. all. <laughs> right. And he actually talked with, um, the neighbor, which he gave us access to uh, to play. He gave us permission to play on this, and I will, where he talked to a neighbor who basically knows for a fact that it wasn't put down by lightning. Yeah, Craig was, was adamant about it. By the town. Right. So, you know, again, people need to be respectful of the properties that we're talking about. They need to be respectful of private property, period. And then, you know, we wouldn't have these issues where we're trying to raise money to rebuild a once grand mansion in the North Woods. So let's play Craig again, and uh, and you can listen to him take us out here. So um, the current owner who actually had uh, purchased the property for only $6,000, which was uh, Babs and Harold, and it was an anniversary present to his wife because she wanted something different. Sure. So She's a little spoiled. A little bit. <laughs> no, she loved the... So yeah, they, right, they, yeah. They, yeah. I was joking. So yeah. when they got the... When they got the place, uh, that was 1986. So they wanted to even turn it into something like a bed and breakfast. Right. But it was in a lo pretty pretty bad shape even at the time then with all the windows broken out. They never stayed in the mansion because it was that bad. And it was never, yeah. no one was keeping it up for decades, No one was keeping decades, it up. Right? So, right. yeah, I mean, it was falling into demise in right. the, you know, the, the weather conditions in Wisconsin. Stuff, yeah. So their dreams of building it into a bed and breakfast um, kind of went down the tubes in 1988 when it uh, was supposedly struck by lightning twice right. and burned to the ground. We mentioned some of that, yeah. too, yeah. So um, they, it was up on Father's Day of 1988. There was a big storm up there. Lightning was to blame. So right around so, this time. Yep. So mm -hmm. now, now what I understand about that is there was a big storm up there 
Yeah. But there wasn't apparently a whole lot of lightning with that storm. Yeah, that's kind of what though, he was getting at. Yeah. Even though the building, the house burned down, none of the foliage or anything burned around it. No, it so was... Uh, what is your... The what, lightning bolt had intent. It knew what exactly your, what it was aiming at. What are your thoughts about... Would that be done by the neighbors, you think, or by the city itself? What? I believe it was done by the city. Okay. We actually had, and I don't know if you guys listened to it, but we did. I did have an interview with a neighbor who uh, went into great detail on how summer wind was burned down to the ground. They would have been able to witness it themselves. They were, they were there when right, it happened. Right, sure, yep. sure. Um, he, uh, and I don't care anymore. I can... I really don't care because I don't think it's going to go anywhere anymore. <laughs> Good for so, you. That's kind yeah, of our attitude, like. too. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, people deserve the truth. And, sure. Uh, uh, and what are you hiding yeah. anyway? Yeah, and a lot of people will still say, no, it was lightning. But uh, the owners, the, the neighbors next door got a letter in the mail a couple weeks prior saying there'll be a big fire in the woods tonight. Do not call the police. They were promoting they it. Were promo- they, were, they knew it was going to get burned down. Of course. Down. And the minute he, this guy got this letter, he says, oh, shit, they're going to burn down the summer wind. Yeah. And they tried. There's even an article in the Milwaukee Journal that from the Ronald Ramish. He was the, uh, the, the, what do you want, the town mayor, the official in town. Okay. And he said he was going to burn, burn down the summer wind a couple weeks prior because... Neighbors were complaining of all the vandalism and people trespassing and stuff. So this was long this in was, the making. It was in the making. Right. And, of course, no one ever told the owners this, and, you know, they had no recollection of it. Right. And th- so they went up there on Father's Day. They were up there anyways on Father's Day. Sure. And they heard some heavy vehicles come into the driveway next door. So they both snuck up to the top of the hill, stood under the trees. They watched the sheriff department pull up to the driveway. They watched two fire trucks back in a brush truck on their own property. On their own property, they're just watching this happen. Yeah, well, they're the neighbors, not the neighbors. Sure, they're not, but they're but witnessing, they're witnessing all this happening on, on their on, land on, on summer wind. No, it's right. not. No, it wasn't the owners. Of summer oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. the okay. neighbors that were watching. Okay. It. And uh, they watched the brush truck back in, and it looked like one of those old brush trucks that would fight like brush fires. Right. Backed in, saw a guy get out. There were some town officials there. He saw him go to the back of the truck, grabbed three or four hay bales, walked it into the middle of the house, and then put a torch to it. They had and it all covered. They had it all covered. And they blamed it on the lightning because <laughs> it was raining that night. Sure. And Which th- is what they were waiting th- for. That's what they are waiting for. Right. And they, uh, the, the town officials, a couple of them, walked up to the neighbors next door and said, just so you know, lightning struck this tonight. And then they walked away. They made it. They made a point a to point say that. to say that. Right. Because they knew that if the neighbors would say anything, they would never get any permits over the years to build anything. Sure. Because it'd come back at them. So we're going to start the rumor right now start the rumor right now. did this. The funny thing, the town officials, even the fire chief is the same fire chief Still. today really? as it was back then. So they're not going to deny They're any, not going to deny anything. They're not going to no. admit anything. There was, I had a couple people on my, well, when I was going to school, while it burned down too. I was in the lunchroom, and the a daughter of one of the the town officials came into the lunchroom and said, "Guess what my dad did last night? He burned down summer wind." <laughs> Kids <laughs> so, bragging about yeah, it. Yeah, bragging about it. And then I had a fire a, a fire guy. He worked used to work for the fire department in Land Lakes. He was on one of my events. He comes up there and he says, "You know, this was a controlled burn, don't you?" Yep. Well, yeah, we yeah, know it was right. because nothing burned around it. Right. It, the mansion fell in on itself. Sure. So, it so they controlled. knew exactly what they were doing. They knew yeah. what they were doing. So right. th- w- was, this, was this an effort to get 
because of all the people that were coming on the property. Right, and, as he mentioned, vandalism yeah, okay. and just people trespassing and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we didn't believe that the neighbors even had a hand in it, too, because the neighbor wanted to burn down as well. Well, because so. you mentioned earlier that, that those people are getting looky-loos coming up to them and saying, where's Summer Moon where's Mansion? Summer because well, it's made, hard to find. They made it worse by burning it down. Right. Now it's even more popular. Oh, right. Yeah. That, yeah. They just added to the legacy of yeah, it. Yeah, it just right. added to the legacy. Yeah. They mean, ghosts did it. Natural elements. The ghost caused the lightning. So right. now and it's now the neighbor's got to deal with even more trespassers. Yep. Yep. So let me ask you a couple of questions, though. Was your un- is your uncle still alive then, or did no. he pass away? He passed no, away. he passed away. And this is Craig talking oh, to the, the former neighbor of Summerwind. And you guys lived right next, or your uncle lived right next door to Summerwind. Yeah, pretty much. There was that. That ice shack. There was that ice house yeah. right where that newer place is. Yeah. And you go down the hill, and it's that small cabin right at the bottom down. Yeah. When I looked at it, that thing's in really rough shape. So you were up there, you guys were up there then on Father's Day of 1988. Then. Yeah, we were up there that week. I think yeah. Father's Day is the day we, Sunday we, that we drove home that afternoon. Yeah. Because it was raining and crappy. What, and, do you remember if there was any lightning or was it just rain? There was some lightning, yeah. but not like the stories I hear that it was all worse lightning that they ever seen up there and that. Yeah. You know, it was heavy rain and there was lightning. It was just a normal storm. and. So tell us, you know, you know, like you told us up there, what happened the day, or was that two days prior to the fire? It, two days prior, somebody from the town came around. I don't know who it was. Yeah. It was an older gentleman, and he was telling the neighbors that if they seen a fire in the woods, that they shouldn't bother calling the fire department because they were going to be on scene. They didn't know if it was going to be that night. I think it was a Friday night yeah. or a Saturday night. And then uh, that Friday it didn't really rain, and then that Saturday night, you know, later the rains yep. came in. Well, a fire truck showed up. They laid a hose. At summer wind. At summer wind. They laid a hose from there up to the, what I call the ice house. Yep. The, for we didn't really know yet, but then we were suspecting they were going to do something. Yeah. And then when we walked up there, me and my boy, we put our raincoats on, walked up. There were a couple fire trucks, Wireless County Sheriff's Department, and one of the firemen told them the other guys there were the town board. Yeah. We, I can't say that for sure, yeah. but that's what the firemen yeah. that I talked mm-hmm. to said. Yeah. They backed a little, what I call a brush truck, one of them or little pickup fire, truck, fire pickup trucks, truck. yep. and threw a couple bales of straw in the window and then we were standing there watching, and they spread it out in the middle of the thing, and they took a propane torch, because it was wet, yeah. and got it going, and then you just stood back and watched Watch it burn. Watched burn. So. And the, it, uh, we, wa- we went over by the ice house, because a lot of the firemen were there, yep. and they said they were there just to make sure that that yeah. property didn't burn, and there was another truck on the other road to make sure that nothing else caught on fire. Yeah. And uh, it was like a neat burn job because the center of the house burned out and the walls all fell in. Yeah. And then they did, did it pretty much with the other buildings too. Yeah. Once that down. was down mainly, the other buildings went. Yeah. And they did that pretty much the same way. But I didn't see them put straw in there. Maybe they put it in earlier before we got up there. Yeah. But they burned down after the main house went down. So, and it went pretty much and everything fell in real nice like it was planned. and. 
but it was a control burn. I'll just so say it that. Definitely wasn't lightning. It, no. I'll say 100%. And then when we were standing there, this one older gentleman again that I seen the day before, he walked up to us while we were sitting there watching us, and he said to us, "You know, lightning hit this, don't you?" And he walked away. Oh God. If that was like their threat, or yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I think it was. So their threat to us, not to say anything. So for 29 years, everybody's under the impression that lightning hit it, but in fact, the town and the fire department burned it down without the owners knowing. Wow! But it was mainly because there was a lot of vandalism, a lot of break-ins. Mm -hmm. My uncle's sure. cabin got broke into, yeah. and I know there was a one neighbor down the road the other way that really complained all Jan the time. I think his name is Janie. Yeah. yeah, all the time he'd come up and even yell at us, and we always go, "I'll well, call the cops." Yeah, just call the yeah. cops. Yeah, and then uh, he just he just goes storming off and that, and he'd always and I think he was in on that too. He I think he's the guy that pushed the tone. To do something. Burn it, yeah. That's what the. the and I don't know what the guy's name is. I have no idea because I don't know the people who lived, you know, yeah. on that side that much. Because we always call them the new people because all them places were a lot newer than my uncle's. Yeah, cabins, yeah. Because originally there was only like the two log cabins from the original house, the what I call mm -hmm. the ghost house, the ice house, and my uncle's cabin. Were the only buildings on that yeah, lake. Everybody that always time. wondered, you know, some of them burned down, but how did those little other buildings burn down if they weren't really, you know, they had to be controlled and burned? Yeah, because that one little building in back was, was far enough away, away from the house, yeah. it shouldn't have never caught. Yeah. I mean, the trees were barely burned. You've seen yeah, that I in saw the picture. That in pictures that, yeah. The trees yeah. were even barely burned, and there's nothing yeah. laying outside that foundation. So that's why. If yeah. they burned the center out of it and it fell it in. fell in, yeah. If lightning, I would think if they would have went with their story lightning hit, if somebody would investigate, you know, it would have started on the outside and stuff would have fell outward. Right. Outward, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I always But if you burn the center out, everything falls yeah. in. Yeah. But that's, I've seen that's how they started it. They threw straw right in the center by the two yeah. rooms there. And to get it going because it was raining so much, the torch. use the and propane blame it torch. on the rain and a lightning because yeah. it was a storm. And then, like I said, they pretty much what they told us was a threat that yeah. we better not say anything that lightning hit it. Yeah, not only did they say lightning hit it, but yeah. they said lightning hit it twice in the article. Yeah. And yeah. I even asked the fire department guy, I said, how do you, you didn't get there till 7 in the morning, how do you know lightning hit it? And he didn't, didn't have anything really to say. Yeah. It's just in speculation. But they got to have some type of cover yeah. to cover it up. Yep. Yeah. Well, that wow. place stood for all them years yeah. and lightning never heard it yeah. before. And, and I was up there with really bad storms yeah. and stuff. And they would have hit the trees first because the trees were taller. Yeah. There was a pine tree right in front. That's, that's kind of that dead one. Yeah. That thing was that, tall it's still at one time. Hit by lightning, yeah. 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 That stuff usually get would got hit first, not that hard. So there were three fire trucks. One that was over by the. Uh... There, were, yeah, two regular. All I call one was like a pumper truck. Yeah. And one was like a tanker truck. Yeah. They must have had a load of water on sure. to protect where you drive in normally. Yeah. And then one of that little, someone, I call it a brush yeah. truck. Someone claimed that at 7 in the morning they brought over a, a boat with a, a pumper on the boat. Because everything I ever heard, everybody showed up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's what the... No, everybody yeah. was there like 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So what time in, in your, when you were there, what time did they start? I the think fire? they started like... 9 30 10 o'clock getting ready yeah i don't think it burned till like 11. 
Gotcha. It went down fast. Oh, yeah, it was there, strong there. there was, that thing was all dry. Yeah, all all that wood green. was so dry rotted. That yeah. was just like lighting a match. It went. Yeah. I'd be, still be a little upset that, you know, you're, you're told that lightning struck your house, but mm -hmm. 29 mm -hmm. after 29 years, the real reason is the town and the fire department was involved. Yeah. And yeah. How old I mean, were you? Do you remember? When, when it burned, I would have been... 30, 31. 31. Boy, did you keep your, did you keep quiet about it for a while or? No? We didn't say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we were actually scared about it, you know, that, you know. If they're going to pull that, they, they might have done you, something. You don't know what that town would have done. No, because like I said, right? they, they, there's people that claim that they just burned stuff down without telling anybody, See, even other older buildings. The thing was, my uncle's septic system was failing at that time. Yeah. You would have never got a permit to put it in. No, if you, you would have said something. If you would have started yep. aggravating them, and so there was, was other stuff. So and, this was the town of Land Lakes, right? Yeah. yeah. That's well, who was there. That's why. I, I, I'm not a real conspiracy theorist, but I believe towns do what they want once in a while. Yeah. Especially up there, because they can get away with it. Yeah, usually there's nobody like uh, yeah, south. No, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And I think everybody was in on that because I think sheriff's department was tired of going out there on calls all the time. And oh yeah, because sure it was bad. It was it yeah. was it was really getting bad out there in the '80s. I mean, well, according to the attorneys that I've talked to, they're doing their statutes of limitations, and six both, years. Six years. The only thing that yeah. they could still be charged with is felony arson if someone could prove it yeah so right how am i going to prove it yeah. if i would have had a video right. camera or but something if more than uh, there was a fire department guy that came out there when we did an event he might have been there when you guys were out there and he says you know what i'm not giving you my name but this was a controlled burn has there been anything because you mentioned what you went through when you were in high school was there anything that you witnessed while you've been there that was different than those things you mentioned then? No, um, a lot of the stuff that we was we'd go up there for many years to investigate. You know, even in the last couple of years, because you mentioned the, the lights flickering and, yeah. and things of that sort when you were younger. But you've seen a lot of that same kind of stuff. Yeah, since not so much with lights anymore because there's no house there burned down. Right, right. But, yeah, right. there's still disembodied voices. There's still the weird happenings. So. No kidding. Yeah, I guess. One, one more question I have. I actually have two more, but um, do you have any theories as to why the things happen on that particular lot or house as opposed to the surrounding areas? What, what, what is the nucleus for that? I mean, why is a that the nucleus? A lot of people believe that there's Native American burial grounds on the property. You mentioned some now, of that. Yep. we did have a Native American specialist come out there with land or equipment and stuff to test the grounds for, and they said that the grounds are very possibility that it could have Native sure. American burial stuff there. Right. Because he said the grounds have the, whatever the contents are in the ground that could make up for it, so. Okay. Yeah. And that's, you figure maybe that's part of that could what be part goes of it. on. Yeah. Then the only other thing is, as far as, you know, Craig himself, what are your general theories about why paranormal activities exist in general? I mean, is it is it typically on Native American land, or what causes these instances to, to occur when they do? I think it's everything. Um, I had a girlfriend pass away in 2015 from cancer. I'm sorry. And uh, I was able to talk to her for years afterwards, just through ghost box sessions. And it was really? amazing. She would tell me her name. She would tell me what her nickname was that I had for her and stuff. And uh, I was able to talk to her in like three different locations. So, so ghosts, she's moving with moving you. Around. Yeah, no ghosts come and go. I don't think 
a lot of the TV shows kind of depict they're stuck where they die. I hope right. that a guy that dies in a car accident in his Ford truck isn't stuck right. there forever. Right, that's purgatory, man. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I think they move around. I think they go to where they were most happy or where they had good times. But you don't think it's necessarily one type of situation that causes people to be maybe stuck in these areas or or to be I mean, do you think ghosts are like there's a theory that purgatory is souls that are trapped because they never got to deal with whatever it is they need to deal with? You think it's beyond that? I think it's beyond that. I mean, I'm I'm Lutheran. I grew up Lutheran. I was confirmed in the school, Bible classes, all that. If you read in the Bible, it will say God will come to judge the quick and the dead. The quick meaning the living, sure. the dead meaning the dead. Right. If he hasn't come back to earth to judge you yet, where are you? There you go. Yeah. Right. Are you in a holding spot? Is the holding spot your soul wandering the earth? Could be. So it, 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 it's a yeah. whole bunch of different things that could lead to these situations. Different things, yeah. Right. Amen, brother. Same way with the, I've been scratched at the asylum, I've been punched at the asylum. How are they physically doing that? That's another question. How are they reaching across? You've actually been punched. Plane? I've been punched, yeah. Really? Scratched a couple times. So speaking of the speaking of the asylum, tell us a little bit about Fox Valley Ghost Hunters and all of the stuff you guys do, which is a ton of stuff. Yeah, a ton of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it gets gets to be pretty hectic during this time of the year. Right, and no doubt. Going into October. Sure. Um, we run tours at the Sheboygan Asylum pretty much uh, every weekend all the way till the middle of November. Now, uh, we're sold out all the way almost to the end of August. The only thing left is September and October and November. Wow. We even got Adam Berry, who's on Kindred Spirits, coming and doing a co-hosting tours with us July 1st and 2nd. That's awesome. He did have eight tickets left, so if anybody's still looking tickets for that event, yeah. you can might be able to find it on. We have a Facebook page, Sheboygan Insane Asylum Investigations on Facebook. Maybe follow, that's something we check Follow out. that page. Right. Um, he's still There's still tickets on there. There's links for our other tickets. Sure. We also, me and my lead investigator, Melissa Clevenger, bought a school over in Glen Beulah that's haunted. So we actually own that school, and we do tours and other events there, too. You can book overnights, stuff like that. And you have a shop in there, you said? Yep, we have a, a store called Mystic Moon's Mind and Body Holistic Shop. So you can buy sage, tapestries, uh, jewelry, basically everything that will help heal the body and stuff, too. Sure. So. Sounds, sounds yeah. great. Yep. And then we got a Facebook page. we got Facebook pages for Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, the Sheboygan Asylum, the old Glenbula School. We also have a school and a convent where nuns used to go, built in the early 1930s, 1914, 1916 really? era over in Jericho, Wisconsin, where we offer tours. No kidding. Yeah. All, all of these links will be up on our show notes as well as our Facebook page. Um, and you're also an author. you yep. got a few books out there. Talk about your books. Yep. I, got, I wrote my two earliest books. They're called Wisconsin's Most Haunted, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Um, we also got Archives of a Ghost Hunter, which I wrote just by myself. Then the Archives of a Ghost Hunter, Volume 2, that me and my co-author Melissa wrote. And our newest one, which came out eh, last year, Archi- um, Haunted Expeditions in the Midwest, which covers all our out-of-state investigations. And that was also done with Melissa. And we are working on another book, hopefully to be out before October this year. And where you can find those books at any bookstore or yeah, online you can and on Amazon? Yeah, them Barnes & Noble if you order them. Okay. Otherwise, they're definitely on Amazon. So. Okay. Great. Yep. And Lulu.com. 
Yeah. 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 Good deal. Well, yep. Craig, thank you so much, man. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming out. I mean, you, you've, you've me been with, you for a while. you've been with some very famous people, and we appreciate you taking the time to, to come talk to us like and, yep. and turn our I, mic on for us and everything. Yeah. There you go. Mickey and I are a little starstruck right now. Yeah. Yeah, turning our mic on, giving right. us scan discs. I mean, my goodness. Maybe you can autograph my forehead afterwards. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Craig. We really do appreciate it. And uh, best of luck in the future, man. You guys do a ton. I hear about Fox Valley Ghost Hunters all the time. Yeah. Uh, follow you guys on Facebook. And, uh, and maybe um, we'll start joining some of these, these tours. Yeah, Hell these yeah. events you're We're doing. Yeah. It, man. Yeah. Right. No deal. All right. All right, buddy. Thanks yep. so much. So thanks a lot to Craig Naring for coming out and meeting with Mickey and I. Um, it was great for him to do that. He didn't have to do that. Um, but he, he came out and we had a good uh, three hours or so with him hanging out. And he did a... a it, it was great. It was great to meet him. He's probably, I would say, the most prolific um, paranormal investigator in this area, at least in the... And then part of a good organization. Man, no doubt. Credible. He's Like he said, he's done a ton of stuff. Um, so he's got the resume to back it up. And uh, he's going to be doing, like, like we said, and he said, um, it's going to be over by the time we publish this. But Adam Barry from Kindred Spirits is going to be hosting an investigation with Craig and with Fox Valley Ghost Hunters um, at the Sheboygan Asylum. I believe it's the first weekend in July, right before the 4th of July. Um, so it'll be after you, um, it'll be before you hear this episode. But uh, we tried to get Adam on, but schedules didn't work out. So we're going to try to get him on after the event and see how that went and, uh, you know, whether he would he would come back and do it again because I think there's it sold out in, like, no time. And they actually added tickets, which sold out again. So I would assume there'd be another event coming up at a, at a future date with Adam as well. So thanks again to Craig Naring. Go check him out. Look him up. Um, read his books. I was the only unpublished or non-published author in the group, I felt like. Hey, there, Should I just go sit time. in the bathroom? That's right. <laughs> I don't have that. So, so thank you to, uh, to Craig Naring. So investigating with Jim when we investigated Peshtigo, and it was close to the anniversary. I think we did it September, late September. September 29th is September what I had 29th, listed. A little more than a week before the anniversary, which was October 8th. So the three of us went there, and we did several places, right? We went to the museum first, and then we went to Harmony Cemetery. So there's actually two, and I don't think Mickey and I touched on this, um, in the episodes, there's actually two mass graves. There's right. the one at the museum, which has, I think, 350 people in it. And then there's another one, I think about four miles outside of yeah. Peshtigo. I was going to say, it's like north of Peshtigo, isn't it? In Harmony, which would have been the the one of the sugar bushes. Um, so there is a cemetery out there with a mass grave with several hundred more bodies. You know, and these are all unidentified, obviously. And we did an investigation there. We also did one at the river where the majority of the people went. I think all three of us that took different times going alone to the river and uh, and investigating there. Now, one of the issues we had, which we knew we would have when we were there, is this is all outside, right? Except for when we were inside the museum. This was all outside. So when you're when you're doing outside investigations like this, you have massive contamination from noises, cars, people talking. Now this was at night, 
you know, I think it was on a Sunday night at like 9.30, 10 o'clock, something like that at night. So we did it at a time where we could minimize it, but you don't notice how busy a town is until you're out there with a recorder hoping that people weren't around. But there's nothing you can do about that. But that being said, that place is haunted as hell, you know? Yeah, there's tons of residual there and just lots of, because of the contamination, it was hard to pick out things, but we definitely caught things, whispers, uh, you know, faint EVPs. Um, different what's, what's an EVP when you say that? Electronic voice phenomena. It means you catch it on your recorder, but you do not hear it audibly with your ears right at the moment. At the time, you don't notice it, but you catch it later. Right. right. Okay. If you hear it audibly at the time, that is known as a disembodied voice. And you do catch those on occasion. You too. hear that while you're there. Right. You hear that in the moment. That's got to be a little which, creepy. Which I don't know about you, Jim. You probably did. I did. You know, we went down by the river. There were a couple times where I heard a male voice within feet of me. I mean, literally three, four feet of me. Clearly... You know, I can't say they were clearly addressing me, but there was clearly a male voice within a three-foot circumference of where I was. This wasn't voices from the park or anything like that. Again, this is 10 o'clock at night. There wasn't anybody out at that time that was not in a vehicle that I remember seeing. So it wasn't, you know... No, it wasn't wasn't like you had kids or or, um, families cooking out or something like that. This was way after that time... It wasn't stray voices or anything like that. Now, we we do have quite a bit of evidence that we got that we simply can't play in a scenario like this, you know, because the context just isn't there. The, the, the disembodied voices that you hear, you go back and you, you review that, and you hear it. You can hear the disembodied voice, but you also hear the ambient noise. You also hear traffic going by. You also hear, you know, kind of the water flowing. So there's, you know, you can't play this for anybody and say, look at that. That's a disembodied voice. Because they're not there. Right. Again, this is something that, you know, if you're going to do this, you need to do it for yourself. You can't come back. I think we have a couple that we will play here that, you know, especially a couple that Vicky got. So can I ask, is there, there's something to the the overall feeling you get while you're there to begin with, right? Or not? I don't. I mean, I don't. when you walk in, do you get a feeling that there's just, there's some energy here that's a little different than other places you go into? I, no, I didn't. I mean, do you get that feeling ever when you're doing this ghost hunting stuff? Yes. No question about but that. But you didn't get it here in Peshtigo. Um Necessarily. Everybody's a little different. It's a big city. It's a city, too, not, not a... a and and everybody has different levels of sensitivity. Sure. I think that's what we're talking about with our brains starting to understand. I, I think, I guess I would like to... St- say that i'm a little bit more sensitive probably than the average person right, and I, more so than me i would think yeah. and, and i pick up on things sure i know i don't know if scott and vicky have ever been touched but i've been touched like three different times on you investigation felt a physical feeling not necessarily the physical but you feel it, it's always cold it's always ice cold it's like somebody somebody touching your your arm or putting but your you arm in a, a freezer part of your body right and it feels like about the width of a human hand. Well, and Craig Naring, to tie this in with Craig, Craig was saying that he's been punched. Yeah, you know, that's and, right. And scratched. Yeah, that, that he was physically feel punches yeah. on his face. I can't say that I've ever 
felt anything like that. I don't know that I've ever been touched by anything. See, I'd like to feel that. I think I'm tough enough to feel it. But we invite them to. Right. You know, I would we like, say I would if love can, to have that sure, experience. Yeah. And, and the one time that I was touched, and and Scott was on that investigation, right as I I said. You can hear me. We're down in a basement of the location that we were at. And I say, did you just touch me? And we caught an EVP right at that particular moment on the recorder. And it sounds somebody whispered the word touch. Really? Yeah. They did it and then they said it. Right. Wow. It was like somebody was going, touch. So I, I, th- I think the the only place here um, in Peshtigo that I would have gotten that kind of feeling of that energy would have been at the river simply knowing that that's what happened there simply knowing about what happened there and that so many people and went to try and save themselves by jumping into the river and just the amount of death that happened in that spot so and i mean not to undermine what you witnessed but i mean anybody who questions things and, and as scott and i have said about ourselves we're cynics and i mean i think to truly understand anything you have to question it from the foundation so I have to ask, is there any chance that, that that because you were there and just your knowledge of the situation that you were feeling something just because you had convinced yourself of that course. it was going to be there? I mean, of course. I can't, it's a chance. You I, can't, can't deny that. I think that's that's the power of place. That's the power of suggestion. Knowing. Well, I, I don't know what it's suggesting, though. I, it's, it's not. It's hard to explain. I'm not going to say that I felt an energy of others around me. Right. But when you're at that spot, knowing like you were you were talking about battlefields before right. just kind of knowing that you're on that spot where so much so much life was lost right, right. there just like a right where you're situation. standing right yeah. it, you know it it does something to you and it's not just your mind knowing going in you you feel something whether you and i cuz i i'm i'm asking is it just your mind being overwhelmed by the situation because you think this is what you're supposed to feel, or do you actually feel? I mean, physically, you would you would feel something too. I would think. I just think it's basic sorrow, you know, just no, being a right. being a human being, being and on empathy. a spot where right. you know that I don't know, maybe a hundred people died within ten feet of where I'm standing right now. You know, I just think knowing that is going to have an effect. That on energy me. and that, that right. yeah, it's not just empathy. Then it's way more overpowering than that. Yeah. Well, that's why when we do our investigations, we document things as well as we can, as scientifically as we can. Like I said, when I was touched, I also used my digital thermometer and beamed on that spot on my arm where I got touched. And it was six degrees colder than the rest of the room. So it's not just your mind. You have devices right. proving to you right. that you're feeling these things. We always, like if we'd go down in that basement, I took a uh, ambient temperature when we went down there, and I think it was like 60 degrees. It was pretty cold in that basement. And then when I beamed on my arm, it was like 53. Yeah, that's a big difference. So obviously there was something significant. significant right. And it wasn't... And, you know, like I could take it and put it on my hand, and my hand was your normal temperature that your so body should nine be. nine inches away is right. fine. Right. Yeah, that's significant then. Yeah, right. There, you, there's no questioning that. Yeah. And that's what we try and do whenever we go anywhere. We always try and use every tool that we have. Well, and you need a control, like, as you said. You need something that's just the normal. And then right. you have something that you compare it to that's making it. That's why we use multiple recorders when we go um, audio-wise, too. And we'll set them up in different corners of the same room, just like I said, so the angles, 
you know, if we catch something audio wise, we get it from two different angles because it will sound different. And, and, you know, again, there is after the investigation, when we go back and we listen to this stuff, you know, we had video too, and we didn't, we didn't, there was nothing that we caught that was overt visually that we could say was something paranormal. But, you know, again, when you talk about what Vicki caught when she was down by the river, she has her recorder down there. And, she, you know, Vicky's, and I think it's this one is clear enough that we can play. And she's down there and she's setting up something. And Vicky's clearly talking. And then she stops talking. And then, you know, something that Jim and I have heard a number of times throughout investigations is before a voice kind of breaks breaks through, you hear kind of a, maybe sometimes it's not even slight. I was going to say it's slight. Sometimes it's not so slight. Uh, but it's a very clear kind of hissing sound. Like a sh- and then at, right after that, a voice comes in that says, I'm Rachel. Clear as day when Vicky is down by the river, it's a female voice that says, standing within feet of her, I'm Rachel. I set these up. So Vicky was actually just saying, um, she was setting up lights, IR lights. And she said, I'm going to, she's talking to herself kind of. And she says, I'm going right. to set these up. And then a voice comes in clear as day and says, I'm Rachel. I'm going to set these up. That, now, something like that could have been residual, right? It could have been just a voice from who knows when so explain, in the ether. explain residual a little more again because i don't think everybody's under under or so a, a residual evp fully understands what that means a residual e, a residual evp would be uh, a, a a piece of um electronic voice phenomena that comes through that is not necessarily interacting with you that it just it's it's been spoken there before somewhere in the ether right it's part of the history of that it's particular part of the history area of the and the spot. walls, as you once yes. told me. And it, and it plays whether someone's there to listen to it or not. It's just constantly going over and over, right? Right. right. So, you know, technically, whatever, somebody could be on the spot that we're in right now, 100 years from now, 50 years from now. It might be going on right now. 50 years from now, and they set a recorder down, and they might catch my voice right now, and I could be alive, you know, somewhere right. else. Right. It's, but because we did this tonight, it might just... Re- residually it's a sound echo it, right. it's almost like an echo exactly because it's energy right you know but but this so the thing is when you play that clip longer you hear a very and it gets so the voice is clear saying i'm rachel it's a human toned voice and then after that it's much more of a whisper almost like it loses muster you know almost like it loses strength and the whisper says Rachel, what sounds like it says Rachel Snow. So we did, you know, we, we went back and we looked for that name. And there are, we looked the surname, there are lots of snows. Oh, that was the last that name. That lived in Pashtigo during the time of the fire. So she and wasn't saying something, that was her name. Right, yeah. And so, and, and names are not common. When you're doing EVPs, you don't no. get names at all. So it sounds like she said, I'm Rachel, Rachel Snow. Especially a last name like Snow, which is not common. Right. I don't know any Snow. So there are Peshtigo, there are 
there were snows in Pasco at the time, and there's still snows there no now kidding. today. Yeah, I would wow. say nine out every ten times you ask for a name, like, can you tell us your name? You get either no response or you They're going to mess with you maybe. Right. But very, very often you don't get anything. And then she gave the full name without being coerced into it. Right. Yeah, Vicky didn't even ask for a name. She just said that she's... And she gave her full said, name. So That's amazing. You know, is she... If that's what happened, you know, and, and, right. and we... it's still had, speculation. Sure. You know, is this a, a spirit? Again, we don't know what these are. Are they spirits of dead people? I have no idea. Or is it could it be aliens. It could be... Noises that were made a long time sure. ago. But what if it is? Right. You know, what if that is? To dis- I mean, uh, like you say, the residual echo effect or whatever, I mean, that that's a legitimate thing that should be considered. Maybe it's just energy or noises that are just repeating themselves. But to disregard that it's something else is ridiculous. So, and so the, the, you know, the other question it brings up for me is, did they know we were coming? Or are they there all the time? Yeah, Where, do they have know, that? Do they have that? I don't. I can't think of the word right now. But omnipresence to know that this is happening, so we we're prepared for you. So it sure seemed like sometimes they yeah, know that they know you're the, that, coming. That we're coming. Which like is, they, they were prepared for you to be. Which there. is the creepy thing because if it, there's another EVP that Vicky got by the mass grave at the at the not the one in Harmony, but the one at the museum, and Vicky's there by herself. And she turns the recorder on, and, and there is a whisper, a clear human whisper. Mickey, you heard it. Yeah. It's a clear human whisper that says, I assumed you'd come here. Oh, now, that's you, you kn- that's that knowledge, me. right? How did you, what does that mean, you assumed you would come here? Now, do you, did you know that we were coming? Especially because that person didn't know you were ghost hunting or whatever you called. I mean... Did they? Or that spirit? I don't, that's my question. I don't know. How, how, how long had you been doing this at that point? Uh, a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, so how many how many experiences had you had? What do you mean? How, like, many? how many times have you gone to a place looking for this paranormal experience at that point? Oh, I probably 20. I don't know. So I Yeah, mean, total, we probably have done about 35 investigations overall. So my over-analytical mind goes, do these do these spirits communicate with each other and go, hey, these people are hunting for us now? I mean, is that a possibility? Well, if, because if you're going to consider one thing, you got to consider everything, you know? If, if you listen to and believe the mediums that are out there, you know, they sure Communicate as well as we do. Yeah. Right. So... And supposedly they know things because they'll forward information on about things that are going on with the living. And if they can see through things, they can probably see things better than we do so they can communicate even better. So, you know, and again, that's, do do you believe that or not? Some people do, some people don't. Right. But it's all part of the conversation. I think we've learned, Jim and I have learned that, again, they're, they're around us, I think, all the time. We've never done an investigation where we went through a whole thing. We went through a whole night and found nothing. There's always been something. And, and again, you go back to these EVPs that I, I, I played. That's, you know, that's a human voice saying, I'm Rachel. So, you know, my question is, how, do you, how is that explained in our science? How is a human female voice standing within feet of Vicky, which is clearly not Vicky, saying, I'm Rachel, who's not physically there. So how does our science 
explain that. And I don't care how much of a cynic you are. I don't care how bad your hearing is. I mean, you've played that clip for me. There's there's a noise there. So, you know, our science doesn't have anything in it that says something, a, a person that's not physically there can't make a noise, right? Our, our, our science doesn't allow for that to happen. So there's things happening that we've experienced, Jim and I have, for the last you know, all the investigations that we've done, we know for a fact that there are things that our science cannot, it it can't explain. Now, can we explain it? No, I have no idea. Again, I'm not saying these are spirits of dead people. I have no freaking clue. At no point did I get the feeling you guys were saying, I adamantly saying this is what it is. And I mean, it'd be ridiculous to say that. It's in in our human way, we we try to, um, we're trying to understand. We try to be logical about it, so that sounds to us, right, like a the only kind of rational explanation, right? Well, that's a spirit well, of a person. You're just trying to figure out what it means. Died. You're trying to understand, so you you come to a conclusion. But that at no point have either one of you made it sound like that's what it is, because you, I mean, you you guys are looking, you're looking for something that isn't there necessarily. So you're open minded to the fact that whatever you're thinking isn't necessarily what it is. Well, when we do an investigation, we always get whatever evidence we get, and then we present the best of those things, at least in our opinion. To your interpretation. To to the people that we're doing the investigation for, whether it be somebody about their house or a location or whatever. But you try that, to make it apply to what they right, and what we we say we tell them you guys make your own judgment about this. This is what we came. This up is with. what we think it is. Sure, you're just giving your your experienced interpretation of it and saying, based on what you've told us, this is what we came up with. So going back to that noise that we talked about, I don't know how to explain it, but it just sounds like a noise, like a hissing sound or a sucking sound where something is trying to manifest through the air. It's and, picking up energy from the atmosphere or whatever. And there's, there's a, I'm going to play uh, an, an EVP right now from... This was from a private residence we did. This was not in Pashtago. This was actually from New London. And I just want to play the EVP. And this was enhanced a little bit, but the rest is just, you know, when I say enhanced, it's just been amplified. Nothing else has been done. Other than that, this is the raw audio. And I just want to play this, and you'll hear, clear as day, the hissing sound, and then you'll hear a voice come come after it. So that's me on top of the stairs. It's, you know, I'm, you can hear me asking questions. You know, none of this stuff I hear with my ears at the time. 
Jim, I think you were upstairs right in the room right next to me. So I'm, I'm asking questions and you can hear my voice in there asking all those questions. And then obviously, again, not at the time do we hear this, but it's going, when I go back and listen to that audio is you hear that very distinct sucking sound. I don't know how else to describe it, you know, or, or like a vacuum. Right. It, yeah. Right. And then you hear what sounds like an older female saying I'm down and then it kind of groans away. It goes, I'm, I'm down. Uh, and I'll play it again. Did you live here alone or did you live here with somebody? A husband? Family member? Like life is being sucked out of somebody. Almost. Yes, and the story, and it fits the story of the house too. And the, I think this is the thing that really brings it home for us, is this: what we were told is the woman who lived in that house always kind of from her peripheral, peripheral vision felt she saw a woman on the stairs about to fall. And then she would turn and look at the stairs and obviously nothing was there. And to your credit... When you first played it to me, you played it for me, and you can hear that 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 inhaling vacuum sucking type noise, and then you hear whatever the voice is saying. You there's a voice, right? And then you told me the history of the place and what you thought it was. So it was distinct noise. the The noises, the sound bite, whatever you want to call it, was evident. And then you told me what you thought it was. And I'm like, yeah. Again, I I don't, there's nothing in our science that tells us what that is. That's a voice of a woman saying, I'm down and groaning like she's dying. And I think I heard that before you told me anything about it. Well, and we, we do get that sound where it sounds like something is trying to take energy out of the air or manifest and that happens actually fairly often. Um, and it, the only thing you can think of is that it takes a lot of energy for them to manifest and, and say these things or communicate with them. Although we kind of suspect that that one is a residual again, Maybe. that it plays right. all the time, whether we're there or not. But if they're communicating, right, they're going from one medium to another so it would take a lot more energy than you and i talking well she she was that was probably she wasn't i think what we think is that she wasn't communicating to us when she said i'm down it was she probably said that when that happened as as she was falling when she was alive yeah so 
you know these these are the these are the things that really kind of bring this home to us you know we wouldn't this is why we do this you know right. when you when you catch things like that but there's no way to know if that's an actual spirit or or entity or paranormal being or if it's like you said just that the echo essentially continuing to repeat itself there's no way to know so nowhere to know and and all you're doing is trying to find out which is which correct i mean that's what you guys are looking for you know actually earlier in the clip which is harder to hear and i'm not going to worry about playing it again as you can hear her before that happens saying catch me please so i mean it's a it's a sad story you know when you when you when you delve into this and you catch this on a recorder again none of this is heard when we're doing this and you go back and listen to this and you're like wow how, i have no way to explain it well just the those kind of things when you catch those that they actually match up with what you knew about the location or what you had been told makes your belief stronger that you actually caught something then because right. it it corresponds with what you had been told that happens you know frequently with things but you also have to be careful that it's not as you said mickey the, the power, power of suggestion you know but what? i mean you, some things are going to sound a certain way or not like if you hear something that sounds just ridiculously different from what you're looking for you're going to go well, that just doesn't make any sense at all. But you still heard sure. it. We, but you still heard something. There's all kinds of those, yeah. Right. But you still heard something that can't be explained as to why it was there in the first place. So here, here. So this, this is one. I was in a house in Appleton, which, and I don't want to name it because it's still there. It's a business. So it's it's a, well, it's a bed and breakfast. So th- this is an EVP that I I was in an attic. It's it's an attic bedroom though, um, and it was a nice bedroom. And I was up there with a, another investigator, couple, female investigator. That it was kind of a networking thing that we were doing that night. So um, it's an investigator that I didn't know very well. So it was just her and I up there. And you know, when when we were doing this, we were we were running recorders for a while, and then I stopped it, and I wanted to see if there was anything going on. You know, I just wanted to see if we weren't wasting our time at all. So I, I, you know, I wanted to play what we had already caught and what I caught, you can hear me in this clip saying, I have a camera in my hand and then there's a clear male voice. It was just me and another female in that room. There was no male around. There's a clear male voice that obviously comes in and says something. It's a deep voice. And to be honest, when I first heard it, I ran downstairs and I showed you guys and I said, I think he just said, I see you, you fuck face. Is that oh, what yeah, I thought he said? That. Remember that, Jim? Right. And uh, you told so me that too. everybody listened to it, and they and what we you know after we looked at this a little more, we what it sounds like it says is, "I'll see you for breakfast." <laughs> I have a camera in my hand. I see you. I'm going to take pictures in this room. So, again, <laughs> it's likely a residual voice that we caught. Because chances are it didn't say fuck face at the time it was happening. Right. I mean, my mind would think that just because I'm twisted, but it's funnier that way. But for breakfast makes more sense. 
I have a camera in my hand. I see you. Okay. I'm gonna take pictures in this room. So and just one one more that we'll play here. This this was done at the old what used to be the old Casa Claire in Appleton, which is a house that's been torn down now. Um and this his name was Doug, who we were investigating with at the time, and you can hear him in this clip. And he kinda goes into this little nook in the basement and he pokes his head in there and he says, Is there anybody in here? You can clearly hear Doug's voice. It's easy to discern. And he says, Is there anything in here? And then a, another male voice comes in, and it clearly says, clear as day, says just dope. Just dope. Yeah, you've played that. You played that for me a lot, and it it doesn't sound like anything other than what you're explaining. So yeah, Doug actually says, "Did you ever hide anything?" In yeah, here? which and makes perfect sense. The just voices, dope. Just dope. Makes right. perfect sense. Right here. Did you ever hide anything in here? So you know, these are the kinds of things that we strive for, that we try to get. You know, again, video evidence is always great. We've caught a few things on video. Nothing that would really? knock anybody's socks off, I don't think. What well, Jim, you got a shadow person on, on camera yep, once. I that was pretty a, evident. <clears throat> caught a shadow person at uh, Waverly Hills Sanitarium in Louisville, Kentucky. I had gone there with a bunch of um, investigators from the Chicago and Milwaukee area. And we got locked in for the night there at at uh, Waverly Hills. Why and did you choose that site? That they do paranormal investigations, and again, they're trying to restore Waverly Hills to a. I don't know if it's they're going to make it a hotel or whatever, but they're trying to restore it. They've redone most of it. Um, got probably, new windows and everything in it. Probably um, one of the more famous, oh, uh, popular, uh, but. Kind of paranormal very, investigations. Very, very haunted. But and they gave you the opportunity. I mean, right? Because I mean, you, you, a lot of these things. I'm, I'm just wondering how you pick and choose. Well, I, the group from um, Chicago, the, the gentleman that uh, Scott was just talking about, Doug, he invited us to come down with him, and but it was it was well worth it. That was one of the most interesting experiences and i caught so much evidence there they separated you into groups of like two or three so that you weren't cross-contaminating and then you would work on one floor of it the asylum i think had four or five floors so we were up on the fourth floor and one of the purported things was that they had um shadow people up there and that people would see them and I just got, Doug was walking in front of me and he was probably 20 or 30 feet in front of me. And I said to him, I said, Doug, hold on a second. I got to turn around and take a picture. I had turned around and it's pitch black in there. So I had a flash on my camera, but it's only going to illuminate maybe 20, 30 feet. This was like 60 feet behind me. I took two photos. The first one, nothing. The second one, when I popped it up on my laptop after I got back from the investigation here's a shadow person standing in the middle there looking back at me and, and there was nothing else around it there was no 
there was no light sources or anything. It was completely dark except for my camera flash. And I know it didn't illuminate that far down the hall. But I just, after I saw that, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Okay, so when 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 you say people are locked in, are they all paranormal investigators, or is it yes. just people who are curious, or, or yeah. people who are skeptics trying to heckle? Well, I think there was like, I want to say there was probably twelve to fifteen of us. That and they're got, all serious about investigating, or pretty much, yes. Jackasses. Trying no, no, no. You don't have none of them. You don't have people like that. Not that for the come, price you're paying. Yeah, not for you know paying a hundred bucks or right. whatever a person. So. Okay. No, and and the only other thing I've always thought is I caught so many EVPs there that you kind of wonder if there's always that thought in the back of your mind, the skeptical you says, geez, did they set this up so you would catch something just to make it more interesting? And I think that, I mean, for you guys who are legitimately trying to find stuff, I think your mind working that way is key. Because if you just want to believe everything, then how hard, how easy it is to believe anything you find? It's it's that cynicism, that skepticism that's going to make it legit. You, you know, we do this for, it's a journey. We do this, we don't do this to please anybody else. You're trying to there's, find the truth. Right. There's no, I, I just don't get the, obviously there are fakers in this industry. You know, they're, they're the ones that in are trying. In industry. Of course. Sure. You, and, but they're easy to to catch I would think. you know we talked off mic before about one and they're just they're so easy to see but serious people that do this are in it for a journey they're in it for themselves they're in it to explore what the hell is in our world that we can't see which is why you question everything of course and you you pick it apart because you want to make sure that it's true before you start telling the people about it well in the locations too, where where you're at, you know some of the the backstory or the history of it. But when you catch something that's totally out of, out of context or out of what should be in that spot, you really you, got a question. You, you kind of go, "Whoa, okay, this is kind of different." Doesn't you know? make sense. So and let's it doesn't make sense. Out. So it's either you did catch something, or it's some weird noise from random from out of nowhere. The other thing is if they're responding to what you're asking them or what you are doing, if there's responses that are intelligent, how can you dispute that? It's you not understanding what they're saying more than them not responding correctly. Right. Or like, you, right? but you, and, uh, and again, 90% of the time you don't hear this when you're there. Right. You hear it after well, the yeah, fact. So you're not even misinterpreting. It's just, right. W- yeah. They're responding, but you got to figure out what the response is. We try. You know, right. but I mean, that's, if, what, if, you're, if, that's right. what your goal is. If we can't figure out, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. You know, we no, just, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. As Jim's saying, you ask a question, they give a response. Now Sometimes now, well, and if when they do, there's there's some noise. It's up to you guys to figure out what the hell it means. Again, I was investigating. Scott and Vicky didn't go to to Waverly. Um, they had a previous commitment, I believe. But anyway, I was investigating. Was it with, a two week trip? Like uh, some jackass? It's called a child. Oh. <laughs> I had uh, Doug and I were investigating together, and we had one of the the key places in Waverly is called the Body Shoot. It's where they would take the People that had passed away from tuberculosis, they would take them on gurneys down this sh- this chute, and there were steps on the one side, and then the gurneys had their actually their a track um, so that they could 
actually lock them into the track and roll them down as the people were walking down the stairs. And we got all the way down to the bottom and we had cut some real weird things on camera, just picture wise. And then Doug started walking up the stairs and I said, Hey Doug, we never took uh, count of how many steps it is all the way to the bottom. So we, I said, why don't, why don't you start counting? And I said, um, just to see how many steps it was, it was like 154 steps or something crazy like that. So I'm holding the recorder and there was like three steps in a landing, three steps in a landing all the way up and down. So Doug is, I, I let him get like two landings in front of me, but you can hear Doug on my recorder counting one, two, three. He was counting rhythmically so that, you know, and in between his voices, you hear a little kid's voice mimicking him going one, two, three. And that kind of high-pitched voice too. Yes. Really? And I was like, oh my God. Now, how do you explain that? There's no, there's no kids down there. It's not like they had things going on outside. So it, it was it was real interesting, but obviously... But, uh, it didn't necessarily pertain to the questions you were asking. It was mimicking what you were doing at the time. Right. So, I mean, that's it, perfect evidence that it's there while you're there. And again, we didn't hear that with our own ears. Sure, but it's not residual. It's going on it's as you're responding, there, yes, right. to us that's when we're amazing. there. That's amazing, yeah. And it doesn't pertain to the history of the place or anything. It's just a spirit mimicking what you're doing at the time. That's crazy. You know, I, I would say for the most part, the the evidence that we do catch, we we don't know how to interpret. Well, I would, how I would are you say gonna know? There's most no of the time, it. it's not it's not a, a direct response to something that we're asking or something that we're saying. That's it's, why that experience is amazing. Yes, and it's it's experiences like that, and you know, the quote unquote just dope. You know, that's that's right. a clear response to a yeah. question. They're <laughs> interacting with you. You know, I'm Rachel. You know, I I assumed you'd come here. Really? I mean, they. it's like they know you. It's like they're watching it's you. It's like or, our Ouija board experience. Or when you get touched. You know, or, or when you're touched, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a very interesting topic. If we fully understand some people think this is garbage. I get that. And they have every right to feel of that Of course. Way. It's a popular issue. Obviously, Craig Naring's Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, they're virtually sold out for the entire summer for Sheboygan's. So people want to believe. People, well, they want to do this. They're, they're, I think they want to believe, yeah. I well, mean, I mean they, they want to thrill seek at you, least. Are they going out of their way to pay for this stuff to naysay it? Are we that negative and critical at this point? I don't think so. My point is, I think... Our brains are starting to get to the point where we starting to understand the things around us a little more than we used to. Because if you believed in aliens or ghosts, you were just crazy. Well, I think you just like before, we, you know. And we're not there anymore. Look at the shows that are on TV. The the ghost shows that are on TV again. There's less than there and were. Alien shows, ancient all aliens, the, just, all this stuff. They're very divisive. We're I starting to that. realize that there's there's a possibility. But like Ghost Adventures is like the highest rated show on the Travel Channel for like 15 years running. This isn't, it's it's not a niche anymore. You know, people are buying into this. They they want to learn more. And most people don't know how to do this on their own. We didn't know how to do this on our own. You no, know, we, we had we, to figure it out. Yes. 
And some of the stuff that you're taught by the TV shows and stuff is crap, and you learn that. Everywhere you learn could be crap. But we're starting to realize that it's all about our brain and our sensory visions and abilities. And I will it's say... It's all based on that. I, I agree with that 100% because I will say when I'm on an investigation, the best tool that I have is myself. You know, I'll talk about that experience that Vicky and I had at, at Mansfield. It's, you know, you can hear, you can hear it on, on the recorder. We're standing in the warden's quarters and we can, you know, the, the, it's a cement floor and it's all chopped up and stuff. And there's you know, rocks and stuff and dust all over. And it's just Vicky and I in there. You, you and Doug were upstairs somewhere and we're literally hearing footsteps walking right towards us, literally five feet from us. And it's, it's a footstep walking towards us. You can hear every footstep, and then it stops. Everybody knows what that sounds like. And then on audio, you can hear it go, <laughs> like it laughed at us. It, those are the things that you're striving for. It's those personal experiences that are not necessarily relatable to anybody else, and you can't show them on video. Because they're not there. You can't show them on audio, but I will never forget that in my entire life, right? Being a cynical mind is part of that. It's a big part of that. You question it. You you think there's no way this is real, which just makes it the the, the chance. The fact that you're talking about it and willing to admit it makes it more real, in my opinion. Well, then the other thing you have to always keep in mind too is that when the TV shows gather evidence for their show, that you're seeing a one hour or two hour show clip that was garnered over three or four days most of the time most right. of the time they're there for multiple days sure they don't always tell you so that, you know and and the whole thing of it is is actual the investigations themselves are usually fairly uneventful unless you get touched or something like that all the the hard work and and actually finding things usually comes when you're doing the evidence review right all right, so on that note, you've heard us talk about paranormal issues. You've heard me talk about being an investigator, and I think now we've illustrated that. So when we, when we talk about paranormal investigating, there's a legitimate interest there, and there's, I think, a legitimate experience there. Um, and, you know, Jim Cooper, obviously, thank you so much for coming in. You're yeah, welcome. Spending the night with us. You'll be um, seeing us again, hopefully. Of course. I think any probably any kind of paranormal thing we do from from here on out jim is is very respected and uh you know i know that firsthand he's he's a first-rate investigator and i think um he'll be along with us for a ride for a lot of these appreciate that of course yeah if if, if you're willing that'd be great absolutely so thanks for having me guys of course absolutely you know it this is this is it it's again it's it's something that it's it's called a pseudoscience and deservedly so it's not something that I think our scientific community is ever going to take seriously. Um, I don't know about that. Hopefully we're on the road to that, but right now it's not there. That doesn't mean it won't be. That's true. The, but the world used to be flat. You know, I mean, we've changed our ways in a lot of ways, and it, it's hard to convince more people that th- th- things are not the truth that they thought they were, but we're, we're on our way. We're always trying to evolve, and... And that's part of it. Can't can't you say to some extent though that proof is kind of already out there? Everything there, there's been so many myths throughout the years, throughout the centuries, throughout the thousands of years that we thought were the truth, and some delusional schmuck came along who ended up being one of the greatest minds of our history, 
who proved everything wrong and maybe they died first, but eventually we went, oh my God, that person is true. So maybe this is along those lines and I believe it firmly is. I'm just saying we're not there yet, but I think at some point it won't be a pseudoscience and we'll realize, oh, this is just the facts. That's all I'm saying. It's it's factual, at least in my mind, that there are there are things out there, and we'll again, get there as a as a civilization. Our we'll science there. does not explain. Right, we and don't now, but that doesn't mean we won't. Cause it, like so many things we've proven that have gotten there. I think we have a duty as a race, as a human race, to not be so arrogant and to try to figure right. out what these are. Exactly, because there is, I think, enough evidence out there that says that these may be. I'm not going to say they are. That these may be remnants of people who were here before us, who might be trying to communicate with us at some point. Right. You know, and we owe it to them to at least look into it a little more seriously. We owe them at least that. It's a reality. Or, or at least it could be a reality. And we're not totally disregarding it anymore. And that I think that says a lot about our evolution. And, so and, good for us. Way to go, humans. And, you know, I we, think, we don't suck as much as we think. Bringing it back to Peshtigo, if there is a way, any way possible, that those people could have a voice today. Because they never had one when right. they were alive, right? right. Nobody, they got nobody smoked out in place. an hour and gone off the face of the earth. Horrifically. And they barely knew what hit them. And so if, it, if, if that's what this is, we owe it to them to try to give them a voice today. Because they didn't have one 150 years ago. So if this is the way that needs to be done, as crazy as it may sound to some... Be represented somehow. I think we owe it to them to continue trying. Amen, brother.